Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Friday, September 25th, 2020, episode number 153. That is a mouthful, Carter. I'm glad you nailed it that time. It took me like seven times. They don't get to listen to all the other times that I tried to get that out of there, but the, uh, but the last one worked. Maybe so. one day... One day they can. Maybe one day. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do this. This thing will be a live deal, and you can see all the bloopers. It's not as fun to watch me try to repeat things seven times. I think it's better to kind of just get that last one that works and uh, have a clean show, you know? Or at least, I don't know. Well, if we could watch you do it and watch how mad you get, I think that'd be kind of cool. You do it too. Oh, I know. I get upset. It's super funny. Maybe one day. Who knows? <laughs> this, is, this is a super special. It's kind of an odd... It is funny because it is 153 is an odd number, but it is an odd episode in the fact that uh, that this is happening on the 153rd episode. But uh, we have we have patrons, Scotty, right out of the patrons? gate. Yeah, we, we, we got to talk about patrons. We have people? This is a we big deal. This is a big deal, dude. We have people that have signed on to support what we do. They're signing on to support off the groove and what we're building here it's super cool like it, we're gonna we're putting the, the page together and kind of building it as we go but um it's gonna evolve and grow into something really cool and we're stoked for you guys to be a part of it and as they become patrons they get a little extra features and there's different levels that they can sign up for right yeah i still haven't figured all that out we're, we're looking at other accounts and trying to see how other people do it and seeing figuring out but what's the what's going to be the best model for us to do it but yeah there's different tiers you can get different things you don't have to be signed up if you want like one of the higher tiers you don't have to be that every side at that level every month um but yeah then i think there's a way too that you can do just like one-off donations if there's something that i posted the other day if there's something that you don't see there as an option um, just shoot us a message on one of the social medias on our instagram account on facebook or something we'll make it here we'll figure out something like this is literally something we're building for fans so if you don't see it and you want it and you're a fan and you want to see it holler we'll make it happen um this is kind of what, what we're, we're building this for you guys so i think it's going to be a lot of fun and be something really cool here in the coming months um and something fun to do in the off season yeah, sounds like a good a good idea. I like it. Uh, Got to give a shout out to our first two patrons, Justin Calkins and Kurt Jones. So uh, we stuff. appreciate the support, guys. And uh, man, I'm I'm excited. It's good stuff. Yeah, and we even had to ch- already make a custom tier for the Kentucky Mudflap who uh, tweeted us the other night. Um, so that was fun. So we have we have a special one where we have to sign a Natty Light once the Kentucky Mudflap signs up for our uh, our Patreon. So yeah. A, a natty or a natty light? I can't remember. What was it? Is isn't that the same thing? A natty or a natty light? Well, don't, you don't just drink don't a natural. You drink a natty light. A natural light. <laughs> okay, I got you. See how much I drink. Yeah, I'm pretty it's not sure. Not Dr Pepper. It's not going in this mouth. <laughs> oh, that's right. You strictly Dr Pepper. Have you done any of the like flavored Dr Peppers, or are you just like straight Dr Pepper? You know, I tried the cream soda one, and I like sweet stuff. Man, it is really sweet, but it, yeah. it's pretty good. But I don't know if I could handle a whole bunch of it. Yeah, the more anything more than those twenty-three flavors, then you're just out. Yeah. Why do you, Why do you want to mess with perfection? I, I don't, don't know, know what they're doing. I have no clue. Did you see uh, Michael Jordan NASCAR team? Isn't that crazy? Good stuff. Yeah, he's he's teamed up with Denny Hamlin, and he supported Denny Hamlin for a long time. And their driver's going to be Bubba Wallace. So what would be cool to me is if they're number twenty-three. That would be pretty badass. Enough NASCAR. Let's talk two wheel. Um, so crazy stuff this week. What do you got? 
Well, you want some Hollywood Nuggets? You want to talk about Dallas? Or I mean, I always love those Nuggets. We Let's talk about all that once. We can do whatever, dude. I, I like to save the Nuggets for the last because, you know, those are always icing on the cake, so to speak. So Let's talk about the track first, then. Uh, yeah, I know nothing about this track. I've never been there. I've well, never heard about it. I Here, heard a couple things from a couple people, but I'd love to hear your take on it because you raced it, right? I did race it. So this one time, yeah, back in the 90s, mm-hmm. I was down there with actually racing against Dallas Daniels' dad. What? And he was on, yeah, yeah, Nick Daniels. 30, 32P was his number. I was 43G. This is before I got my national number, before I even thought about having a national number. I think we had uh, the white backgrounds with the red numbers. So I think we were pro sports or pro singles. I can't remember what we were this particular year. And, and me and Nick had a heck of a race going on, and, and I was chasing him. And we would go off into tournament three, and on this particular track, when you go into tournament three, it goes downhill because the front straightaway is a lot lower than the back straightaway. So you go down the front straightaway, go uphill onto the back straightaway, you know, up in turn one and two, and then on the back straightaway, you throw it down sideways into three and four. Well, I, I threw it down and I crashed. What? So, I, yeah, I'm crashed. I'm in second place on a half mile. I pull in the clutch on the way down, and I'm sliding, I'm looking back, I'm sliding, I'm looking back. Finally, I stop. I get up. I had to downshift the bike a couple times because when you fall on the left side, it ki- it kicks the shifter up a couple of gears. So I downshift a couple times. I'm looking back because I don't want to get hit because we're I don't even remember how many people were you know racing in this race with us. It was in the main event, and so I downshift a couple times. I take off, and I think only two guys got past me. So now I'm sitting in fourth place, and I think it was you know we were near the end of the race. I still ended up in fourth after falling off on a half mile chasing uh, Dallas Daniels' dad Nick. That's crazy. All that was at a national, huh? Oh, no way, man. No. Just, a, <laughs> just, just another race there at the Devil's Bowl. You were racing for the Grand National Championship that race. Is that is that what that was? In my mind. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I, it was just, I think it was like a day after the Grand National, or it might have been a vintage national. So they always had a couple of said, pro classes, I think. You said that was in the 90s, right? Yeah. So uh, the Devil's Bowl actually has been running for a long time. Uh, the first ever World of Outlaws sprint car race was back in 1978 at the Devil's Bowl, and the World of Outlaws were just there last weekend and had a sold out, you know, it was packed last weekend, and the track looked great. So I told you a little bit about the track, how the back straightaway is more elevated than the front straightaway, and the reason for that is they used to pit everybody in the middle, and all the sprint cars had all their haulers, and so when you're sitting in the grandstands, if there's if it's flat, you can't see the back straightaway. You can't see the opposite corners. Right. So they, they built it that way so people were sitting in the grandstands could see over haulers in the middle and see what's going on on the entire racetrack. Now they actually pit us outside the back straightaway because I've been there a couple of years ago. And uh, it, it's a really cool old school racetrack, and they've been putting a lot of modifications into it. The uh, facility is getting really nice. And uh, I think the last time I was there was actually in 2014. Steve Nace had a race down there. I think I think it might have been All-Star National Flat Track Series. But I remember I was doing all the announcing that day. So uh, to do the podium interviews, I actually had to call the main events from down there on the on the podium or the front straightaway wall or something. But I remember interviewing uh, Colby Carlisle down there. And I think that is actually where the first time the fans yelled out and called him the Flying Tomato. And it stuck. So it wasn't me that gave him that name. But it was I believe it was a fan at... If I'm not mistaken, it was at the Devil's Bowl. No way. That's when it went down? I'm pretty sure. I, if I remember right, it was it happened that weekend. A fan that enjoyed yeah. a lot of adult beverages yelled out or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I think quite a few adult beverages were That's involved. Great. So did you know, Carter, that there has been three Grand Nationals at the Devil's Bowl? No, I did not know that. When was the last one? 
Is this a nugget? Are you giving me a nugget? Or is this just like oh, a... Oh, yeah. I'm, let's go ahead and throw out the nuggets. Yeah, oh, so let's do the A nuggets. lot of those were some of my nuggets. But okay. Are you ready for a couple of nuggets on the de- Devil's Bowl? Yes, I would love a couple of nuggets on the Devil's Bowl. You want that's Hollywood pretty, nuggets? That's really funny, actually. chicken nuggets? Um, whatever. Sure, hit me. Well, I got a couple of Hollywood nuggets. So the Devil's Bowl, uh, the first ever World of Outlaws sprint car race was back in 1978. That's where the World of Outlaws started. The uh, Steve Nace Racing Series was there in 2014, but there were three Grand Nationals there. Do you remember when those were? Do you have any idea? <laughs> not a damn clue. You might not even been born yet. Probably. You're so young. I don't know. 19, I'm not that young. 1993, the late Will Davis won there. Wink and Will. You don't think I was born in 1993? I All didn't right. know you were that old. old. 1994, yeah. Steve Moorhead won there. Nice. And then who won? There was one more win? Yeah, 1995. Guess who won that night? Steve Moorhead. What? The Finley Flyer went back to back. Nice. No, oh, he's not the Philly Flyer? No, he doesn't play for the Phillies. Oh, I'm just kidding. He's from Findlay, Ohio. Oh, so he's nice. the Findlay Flyer. Got it. So guess what? In my opinion, Willie McCoy should have won one of those races. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't remember exactly what year. But he was leading the Grand National. It would have been his first ever Grand National victory. The zipper on his jacket broke open. That caused a parachute type effect. I think it wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been a big deal. But mentally, when you're thinking about that, you're not thinking about charging hard in the corner anymore. You're not thinking about who's behind you. You're thinking about your jacket. You're not thinking about racing. Anyways, Seymour had passed him and beat him. I would be I would be worried about being pulled off the bike. Yeah, I mean, on a half mile, it's not as bad. If that yeah. would happen on a mile, it definitely would have been, you know, he probably would have had to pull off. But, you know, on a half mile, you keep going. You want to finish that, and you want to try to win your first national. And so that was a long, long time ago. And Willie McCoy wouldn't go on to win a Grand National until way later in his career at the Springfield Mile. And that was an extra special first win. Uh, we actually talked about it on the, on the other podcast this week. Great interview with that guy. Check it out if you haven't listened to it. As far as this week's episode, dude, what do we what do we got going on? What do you think? What do you think? Well, we've lately, it seems like we've been talking to people that have had good runs just recently. And a lot of younger kids too, right? Yeah, which is which is cool too because these younger kids are for real. Yeah. You know, you've got some of these veterans in the AT singles class, but you got these kids doing really good. You got Dallas Daniels leading the point settings, and you got another kid at Williams Grove, got his first ever podium and got a second place finish, but he's been fast all year. He's had great qualifying times at the first two races down at Volusia. He had a good qualifying time a couple other rounds after that. He worked his way from the back. What he's been doing is because he's been getting horrible starts and if you know who I'm talking about, it means you've been paying attention a lot and I'm talking about the 48 of Trent Lowe. I love it. Hello? Hey man, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. (laughs) You sound so excited to talk to me, man. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> are you nervous are, no, are, are just, you nervous or what it's, it's just like we're hanging out at, no. at you know plymouth at plymouth speedway just you know shooting the breeze waiting for your brother to go on the track yeah no, what, what t-shirt at all. okay good what t-shirt are you wearing right now oh an elite fitness t-shirt oh come on man you're supposed to tell me it's it's that one that you're wearing at, at plymouth oh the virginity rocks one yeah yeah i still gotta get one of those i gotta get change t-shirts no, you're good. I'm just messing with you, man. I just, <laughs> I just love that shirt. So, so hey, man, I just want to say, uh, you know, congratulations on last weekend. I want to talk about that here in a minute. But I, w- I want to get to know the number 48. We've been wanting to have you on the program for a little while now. So, uh, first off, you know, where were you born? I believe in Cincinnati. You're not sure? But, uh, 
I, I'm not sure. Like, I think I was in Cincinnati, though, but I grew up in Guilford, Indiana. All right. So where in the heck is Guilford, Indiana? I say it every week at the races, but I don't even know where Guilford is. <laughs> um, it's pretty close to Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and um, it's right over the border uh, from, like, Cincinnati. Okay. So right, right there close to Ohio. So what's it like growing up right there? There's a lot of racing, really. I mean, within three hours, we have billion tracks near us um we have a ton of half miles and so that's what i really prefer but i've been starting to get pretty good at these group tracks and starting to learn them yeah that's good so what was it that got you into motorcycles i know i used to race against your dad former number 48 national number 48 sam Lowe. um but when did you decide that you wanted to ride motorcycles i started riding at three and a half by myself Wow. And then um, I was racing at four. No kidding. So, flat track? Flat track? Yeah. Yep. Where, where was your first yep. race at? Uh, Warrensburg. The little short track. They had amateur nationals there. A long wow. time ago. I know Jared Meeson had raced there so, okay. at, at, for the amateur nationals. So that was cool. So at four years old, you're racing at Lawrenceburg. Did you start traveling on the circuit, and and or did you stay close to home and, and start racing, you know, nearby? So I really didn't start traveling very far until I was on 250s. Once I got on the 250s, that's when we started traveling around and seeing different tracks, and I started learning how to ride different tracks. But up until 250s, I was pretty much – I rode at Mid-America Speedway and Lawrenceburg. And that's it, huh? Just Didn't stay really close get... to home. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I mean, I rode a couple of cushion half miles, but that was it. Do you remember going to nationals and watching your dad race, or were you too little? Uh, I was too little, but when races, mm-hmm. I remember those races. Was it cool to watch your dad out there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I watched him down at Daytona Short Track, and then he went out to Pomona, California, because he, he had never raced out in California, so he wanted to go out there and race. So him and Andrew Butler flew out there, and Mike Butler went out there with him, and uh, Chip Chisholm and my grandpa drove out there with the bikes. So that was cool. That's awesome. Do you have a, a favorite memory of watching your dad, or is it sounds like you didn't get to see him a whole lot? Um, I, I really liked the race where, um, he, it was a couple of years ago, he broke out his framer and he, he only rides it once a year, probably. Uh-huh. And, um, he went up to mid America and there, there was the pro night up there and Bronson Batman was there on his framer and my dad led every lap, every lap, all up until the last two laps. And Bronson passed him, and you could tell Bronson was just waiting for him to get tired because he he knew it was going to happen. And um, but once he got past him, and my dad came off the track, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he he said, "I couldn't hold on any longer." So that that was probably <laughs> the one that was probably the one thing that I liked to hear. It was it was funny to watch too. Oh, that's cool. I, I guess I don't I don't really remember watching my dad race that much. I guess he was, you know, already done pretty much when I started racing and when I started remembering stuff. But um 
how long have you been, uh, you know, helping your brother out? I know your brother races too, and I know you were at the Amateur Nationals helping him. Is it hard to help him out, or do you like helping your little brother, Jared? Um, <laughs> it can be hard because I'm the older brother, and he don't like to listen to me, but <laughs> so he, he really likes to argue with me. Uh-huh. But um, I like helping him out. It's I want him to do good, and and he wants to do good. It's just when he thinks something, it, it's the same way with me and my dad. When I think okay. something's right and he thinks something's right, it it doesn't get it doesn't work out very well. So, okay, but all right, I get along with him pretty well. Otherwise, cool. Do you race against him very much? Um, I don't. I actually raced Harpster. Harpster this weekend, cushion half mile, and got to battle with Jeffrey Lowry. And I rode a uh, class with my brother, so it was cool to be able to ride with him. And me and Jeffrey Lowry had a good battle up there, so yeah. um, it was good. Right on. Have you raced against your dad? Yeah, and he he don't like to race with me anymore now. When <laughs> I was younger, he liked it because he could beat yeah. me. Uh huh. But now anymore, he's just like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to beat you. So he doesn't race with me. Okay. Or he maybe doesn't want to get beat by you, maybe. I don't want to, like, call him out on it, but it seems <laughs> no, that I, way. No, I get it. I like it. I, you know, it's it's got to be hard to, 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 you know, to see your son beat you at something, but it's also got to be rewarding to know that, you know, that is your son that's out there. So I get it. I mean, I, I totally get it. So uh, as you're in your amateur days, who are some of the fast guys or girls that you raced against? Um. Dallas was always the one that I knew was going to be fast everywhere we went. And I got to battle a lot with Trevor and Jeremiah at our local races at like Lawrenceburg and stuff. I saw mm-hmm. them a lot. And then, um, but really, really, I always just saw Dallas as that's the one to beat. He um, was fast everywhere we went, no matter what. So I got, I got you. So what was your, your biggest win or what do you think was your biggest win as an amateur? Oh man. Um, probably at amateur nationals. Um, when my last year, when I was going for the horizon award, uh, on the half mile, I just had a perfect day where everything fell in the line perfectly. And I ended up winning all four of the classes that I was in. So, wow. That was just that whole day was just something to remember and to be proud of. So yeah, what what track was that at? Uh, Springfield Half Mile. Okay, I like that one. Yeah, that's a that's a cool track. A lot of people don't even realize there's a, a half mile. It's way back outside of the the Springfield Mile Turn Three, and they don't race there very often. But um, how how many amateur titles did you win? Have you ever counted up how many titles you you got? Oh uh, no, I I don't have hardly. Any, I think I think I just have one actually. Just that really okay. that year, I really I was never. I always was struggling in amateur nationals. I never had done good at there, um, but I was always close to being there. It was just I never could put stuff together to do good in the championship. It was, but until. Until the year I went for the Horizon Award, and I think me and Dallas tied for one of the championships, and I won one of them. But that that, that happened to be the class, the DTX class. Okay, 
Right on. So how was it like, and when did you, first of all, when did you turn pro? Did you wait until you turned 16 or I think it was the start of last year, correct? Uh, yes. When I turned 16, I could have rode the last two races the year before. And, um, I wasn't allowed to turn pro. I guess they didn't want me to turn pro or something before just because it was going to be the two miles right away. Right. But, right. um, I ended up, waiting till daytona this past past year and um i turned pro then okay so 2019 was your first season as a pro Uh, i looked up some results earlier 26 in the point standings you made three main events with the best finish of fifth at the minnesota mile so how hard was it for you to transition from an amateur to a pro um i really struggled um i did not have the best first half three quarters of a season and I struggled everywhere I went and we just couldn't put stuff together but then um at the very end of the season for lot well Lacuna was one that I um felt really good at felt really comfortable Mm -hmm. but I did it was just right outside of making the main event and then Lima the next race afterwards I ended up making the main event and getting an eighth there and then i made williams grove last year and got 13th there and mm-hmm. at minnesota mile last year i got a fifth and i felt good at all the races i just didn't feel like i was 100 percent ready as like a pro like i didn't okay. feel like i was fast enough for them but then at the same time, I was completely comfortable. So um, it's 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 interesting that you said you you felt really good at Laconia because a lot not a lot of the people said they they did that. You know, a lot of people just said they're out there battling the tracks. It was so rough. But you just said you felt really good there. So is it because there's a shorter track? Is it because you like the rougher tracks, or or why did you feel good there? So I I mean I grew up on cushion tracks. So I they were all loose and it didn't matter how the track was. You just had to stay on the gas. Mm-hmm. So I think I just really adapted to that track well. And that's what something I've been focusing on this year is just adapting to the track and adapting to the bike and trying not to make too many changes to overcome how the bike is working, just changing how I'm riding for it. Right on. I like that because you, you all have to go out there and race the exact same track. So I think, like you just said, it's whoever adapts to that particular track, you know, fastest, you know, will go the fastest. So uh, let's talk about 2020. So I guess obviously, you know, a fifth at Minnesota uh, didn't, didn't make the main at the Meadowlands. I'm not even sure if you went, but then let's go into 2020. Uh, it seems like there's a whole group of uh, new riders in there. You know, some some guys have came back to the class and you got some up and comers in there. Brandon kitchen has been showing how fast he is, but, uh, currently are six in the point settings. Let's talk about Volusia first, because you had an 11th, the first night and the ninth, the second night, <laughs> but man, you were, you were flying. You qualified really well. Um, but what happened those two nights at Volusia? Uh, couldn't get off the line. I need to leave the line a little quicker, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what was going on. My starts were, were horrible and it must look like I wasn't even paying attention to the light or anything. So I don't know, but we've got that put together now. I got 
great starts at Williams Grove, and I'm feeling really comfortable now with getting off the start. Have you been practicing your starts? Is that something that you and your dad can go out and work on, or is it just something that you're just focusing more on now? Um, I I haven't even practiced them since Volusia. It's just I think I'm getting more confident in myself, and I'm confident that I can get off the line with them. And I think it's just confidence, really. Okay. Was it right. putting me ahead on the start now? I got you. So let's talk about Indy rounds three and four, a thirteenth and a twelfth. You're from Indiana. I really expected you to to do better. Um, why Why do you think you're finishing in the in the in the teens instead of up there in the top five like you should be? Um. I think we just couldn't – I just couldn't put stuff together on different corners, riding the corner different. I um, wasn't adapting to the track very well. I couldn't figure it out when the track changed. I wasn't figuring it out as fast. And Mm -hmm. I really should have seen when the track was changing. And I just was not very smart about it on adapting. um, Okay. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Springfield. Uh, you, you mentioned Laconia a little while ago. You like the rougher track. Springfield was probably the, the most different Springfield short track I've ever seen as, you know, we had some banking in turn one and two, but it was inconsistent. It was rough one night, you know, and you guys had to do it all, you know, almost back to back, a fifth place finish and an eighth place finish. Were you satisfied with that as, as that is one of your tracks that you've ridden on a lot? Um, I was actually just looking forward to making the main there. I usually struggle there like as an amateur i like when i was going for the horizon word i wasn't even making the main really there and um i usually just struggle there so i was like looking as it if i can make the main i'll be happy that's all i wanted to do and i went out there and i felt really comfortable and i was in the first main making my way back through through the pack and um i actually made it up to cole and Michael Enderbitson and I guess um, Michael Enderbitson got into Coles and Bala and it just, he happened to hit the ground and it pulled Michael out towards the outside and I happened to pass both of them and get a fifth place out of it. And in the second one, second main event, I just didn't feel as comfortable. It was something that I should have seen before we went out there that they were they were prepping the track differently and we, we should have probably made some changes to get the bike to work differently, but that's all stuff we can improve on. Okay. All right. I like your attitude about that for sure. Um, let's go to Williams Grove. You know, the last rounds, last couple of rounds, an eighth place finish and then your career best, your first podium, a second place finish, man. What was going on there and what'd you figure out? It just happened to be a, a track that I, I felt super comfortable on and it was a track that I usually would call myself not very good on, but um, it was super slippery and you kind of just had to keep the wheels in line and just be steady on the throttle, which usually I'm not because I grew up on cushion tracks. You just keep the thing pinned, but um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've been really figuring it out lately and I'm starting to get these groove tracks down and everything just clicked that day and that whole weekend, really. I mean, I was fast qualifier. It's all stuff that we're picking up on and learning as we go through this year. 
So it seems like you've gotten better and better each each round this weekend or this year, I should say. And do you think the two nights of racing is helping you, you know? Um, I think it's definitely helping me learn. Like I can put into aspect on what I thought maybe we should have done different. Like we kept the bike the same all day up until the main event at Williams Grove the second day. And then before the main event, we just made changes and went out with it and it happened to work. We didn't the first day. We just left the bike the same and I did not adapt to the bike very well. So it was not very helpful for me, but just learning stuff like that, little things like that is getting us ahead now. So I think, I think for Texas, that's going to be another thing that we've just been figuring out lately. It's just changing the bike as you watch the track change, like as the sun went down and the lights came on, the moisture was coming up and where usually you just think it's going to get a little bit more traction. The lines change too, and the track might get rougher and stuff like that changes. And we're just figuring out that. How hard is it to adapt to the changes? I mean, you can stand on the sideline and watch it, you know, for a while. Like most of the time your races are, you know, the qualifiers are before opening ceremonies when the sun is out you can stand on the sideline and watch on track pass and, and on Facebook live and stuff like that and watch how the track changes. But how could, how hard is it for you to sit back there in the pit area and make changes to the motorcycle? And then when you go out the next time, ride a completely different line than you've ridden the entire day. Yeah, it's, it's a lot harder to sit in inside the pit area where you're in the infield of the track. Then on the outside, because you can see a lot more and you can see, you can usually see the corners, both corners and all at once you can watch everything. So you can definitely see a lot more from the outside than you can from the infield. You have to rush back and forth across the track and try to find out where people are starting at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different. I like putting outside the track more than I do in, in the infield, but that's, all stuff everyone has to do so okay where where's your big second place trophy at right now oh it's in my room up on a shelf all right i got it cool. up on a shelf you, you got room for some more of those right some more trophies oh if i don't we're gonna be making more we'll make more room for that <laughs> all right <laughs> don't worry about that one <laughs> all right sounds good so like i said we're at the halfway point so we got dallas coming up this weekend a track that's going to be new to everybody with the exception of maybe Colby Carlisle, and he's not in your class. So what do you think it's going to take to win the Dallas half mile? Um, I think it's definitely going to take a good start and being able to stay consistent with other riders around you. I really don't think anyone's going to break away in, in this class, no matter what track we go to, it's going to be hard for someone to do. It is our class is pretty stacked and at every race it seems to be someone's there on right on top of someone no matter what Mm -hmm. so dallas coming up then we have atlanta charlotte and daytona sounds like it's going to be the short track so uh the first or the next three are going to be car tracks groove tracks it sounds like you got that thing figured out um which track are you looking forward to the most out of these you know these next eight rounds i think probably charlotte or Dallas because um, I was talking to Jerry and he said Dallas is a dark clay like uh, Volusia was. So and I really I really like that dark clay, sticky dirt. Which usually I all clay tracks I 
do not prefer, but I, I actually prefer uh, that black clay dirt. So. Okay. But Charlotte, my dad has been talking it up, and he's been saying that's one of his favorite car tracks he's ever ridden. And so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of debating between the two on which one's probably going to be the m- most exciting one. Okay. All right. So. Let's talk about your team a little bit. You just said that Jerry has talked to you about the track, and that's Jerry Stanchfield, Roost Systems of Dallas, Texas. How long has he been supporting you, or how long have you been riding for him? So he happened to pick me up right before I turned pro. I think it, I think we were at Springfield Mile the year before I turned pro. He happened to pick me up and help me out through last year. Even with how much I struggled last year, he, he wanted to stay with me, and he believed in me all the way. So I really appreciate what he does for me, and I think he's pretty happy with me now. I would hope so. I mean, you're you're getting faster and faster every weekend, and that's got to be, you know, an improvement is good. And like you said, you struggled in your rookie season, which is understandable. You know, never been to a lot of these tracks or never been to probably any of these tracks before. Uh, So the way you're picking things up, he's got to be proud of you. Um, I was also told from a a mutual friend of ours, Tim Humphreys, that your grandfather – is pretty deeply involved. He got involved to help out your dad, Sam, but did your grandpa race a little bit too? Yes. Um, my grandpa didn't start racing till later on. I think he got my dad into it, just riding down at Lawrenceburg and having fun. But then, um, um, my grandpa got into it and, um, he just does it for fun. And he usually tries to get out there by himself. Doesn't really like to be around too many other people and just has fun with it. That's awesome. And and your dad's brother races too, or don't you have an uncle that races as well? Uh, yes, my uncle used to race flat track a while back. He broke his leg real bad, and he happened to stop racing flat track. But him and his son started getting into hair scramble racing and IXCRs and stuff like that. Cool. So they did that a little bit. Cool. So I was told also that, you know, your mom's really into it and she loves the sport. I, I was told a little story like one, either you or your brother blew up a bike on, at some race. And instead of going all the way home or rebuilding the motor, you guys just went off and, and bought a new motorcycle. But that was your mom's decision. That's how much she loves uh, you guys racing. Is that is that right? Um, I don't think we I don't remember <laughs> buying a new motorcycle, but <laughs> um, she is definitely, definitely big into supporting me and uh, me and my brother. She's she's pretty uh, calm at the races compared to some moms, um, but she loves it just like we do. So right on, right on. Yeah, I knew there was some story like about buying a motor, a new motorcycle, or something like that, and it was her idea, and I just. I was blown away because, you know, if my mom, she was like, nah, we'll just wait until next week or something like that. But your mom's all <laughs> into it and ready to ready to go to the next race. I just oh. love that. And and I enjoyed I enjoyed hanging out with you guys at the Amateur Nationals for sure. She was a, a lot of fun to talk to. And, of course, we were giving you a hard time about, you know, sleeping on the line at, at Volusia. So uh, always, always fun to have some fun at the racetrack. Um, we are already at near the end of the episode and it's time for Graham's question. I'm not sure if you've met Graham yet or not, but she loves how the number 48 always works its way towards the front. She wants to know, uh, what you do when you're not at the racetrack. Like what do you do for fun? I actually don't really do that much for fun. Um, I mean, I try to ride as much as possible, try to ride motocross, but, um, most of the time I'm 
either at the gym or road biking or working on bikes or something, trying to get prepared for the next race, trying to get ready. Okay. And then she wants to know, are you still in school and do you, do you play any other sports? I am doing my last semester of school right now. I will graduate in December and, um, I'm doing that online. Yeah. So I'm not going to school or anything, but I do not do any other sports. I used to play football when I was little and was playing all kinds of sports when I was little, but I kind of picked aside what I wanted and that was flat track racing. So right on hundred percent focused on flat track. I love it, man. All right. We're going to wrap up the episode with uh rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Uh, Honda 450. Okay. What's your favorite racetrack? Ashland, Ohio, probably. Okay. Who's your uh, favorite flat tracker of all time? Ricky Graham. All right. That's mine too. I like that one. So here's a, here's a tricky one. Who's your favorite, favorite person to just to go bench racing with? Oh, my grandpa. Definitely. My grandpa is the one person I like to talk to about racing. What's something you've never been able to do well? Um, just recently it was get a good start. Never been pretty, <laughs> never been really good at them. That was, <laughs> that was something that I needed to, needed to get rid of out of my system was starts. I needed to start getting good starts. Well, good. I'm glad you figured that. I'm glad you figured that out for sure. So, uh, when you're heading out to the races, you have to bring your, what, what is something you have to have? the bike <laughs> who who is the next first time champion in this that's just since, since you're in the aft singles class who's the next first time champion in aft singles i mean dallas is a, has a pretty good lead right now in the singles class so i'd have to say he has a really good shot at it right now okay which of the remaining races so, is your best chance to get your first national win oh jeez. I mean, I qualified really good at Atlanta last year, Last year, so I'd probably say Atlanta. All right. Who gets the victory lap? I'm not sure on that one. That one's going to be – that one still hasn't been decided yet. You might have to take a few, huh? One for your dad and then one for your mom and one for Jerry? Or, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not sure on who's getting that one. That'll be decided between. I'll just let everyone else decide that one. Yeah, you just pull up, and whoever gets on back, it's up to them. <laughs> yeah, I like it's that. up to them. Uh, last but not least, we borrow this one from Dave Despain. What are you most proud of? Um, what am I most proud of? Um, it's got to probably be, probably be on, on how much I've been growing lately, and on in how much my mindset has changed going to the racetrack probably just developing new things in in flat track right on how how have you how have you been doing that i mean what what's changed for you how have you gotten more confident and how have you been getting better starts i'm not sure about how i've been getting better starts i really don't know on that one i think it's uh-huh. maybe confidence i think i've just been getting more confident in myself seeing times like i'm fast i've been fast everywhere i've gone so i think probably just seeing times and seeing that i'm good enough to ride with these guys is just really been helping me out lately. Dude, I, I'm right there with you. You've been fast everywhere we've been this year. You know, fast qualifier a few times, sat on the pole a couple times. Um, 
just my, my only advice maybe is don't even think about who you're out there racing. You just go out there and do what you're doing and practice and qualifying and you're going to win a race. Now you've been off the groove. So now you got to get that win. Oh yeah. Right on. Before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yes, I do. Roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Shelly helmets, dryers, motorsports, Henson, motion pro elite fitness, rental bars, spider grips, chip chisholm, EKS goggles, Rooster Max, Mike Lusak, Davey Jarrell, Mike Butler, and my grandpa. Right on. Well, Trent, we appreciate you. You're always fun to hang out with in the pit area, and and I'm proud of you. You're getting faster and faster every weekend, and and you'll be on top of that box real soon, man. Good luck in in Dallas this weekend, and good luck the rest of the 2020 season. Thank you. See ya. Dude, the, the mix of young talent in this singles class is pretty impressive. Uh, wanted to chat with Trent Lowe for a while. I'm glad to hear from him. Um, got some cool insight on him, and uh, look forward to seeing what he's doing here. You know, he's got some momentum after that second-place win, and uh, look forward to seeing. He said he's excited about the Devil's Bowl um, and, and the way the track looks. So I uh, hear they're going to go pretty fast, and it be, be interesting to see how he goes. Like like you said, he was, he's been on the show now, so he has to get that win. Yeah, I think it'd be cool for him to get a win. Uh, he's sponsored by Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, the event sponsored by Roof Systems. And like he said, he's getting faster on these car tracks, the clay tracks. He grew up right near Ohio, so he's used to running on the cushion tracks. But he's been going to school. He's been listening. He's been learning how to ride these uh, the groove tracks, and it's a lot of throttle control. When you're on a cushion carter, you just grab a handful, and you steer it with the rear wheel. On a car track, on a groove track, you just have to twist that throttle on slowly and try not to light up the rear wheel and not have you know the, the wheel spin. Yeah, he seems to go well at uh, at the at the tougher tracks, uh, and uh, I think uh, what's going to be fun to watch too is Roof Systems. You said is sponsoring the race, the singles class. There's there's several riders that are sponsored by Roof Systems. So the same production class and even the Super Twins, right? So every rider for those uh, respective classes are going to want to be the guy to win at the. Uh, at the home track so it'll be interesting to watch that as well yeah hopefully that doesn't apply more pressure to these riders but you know it would be really cool i think officially he sponsors 10 riders you know and i'm, I'm sure there's more riders than that but you know that they wear the full-on leathers that have the roof system tents that look good that are full-on roof systems riders i think there's at least 10 um so he's got good odds at trying to win one of these and especially being at his home track i know he'd love a victory there and a victory lap and to do that in front of his crowd his family and his friends that'd be really cool for jerry plenty of other storylines going in for all three different series uh we could talk about it but you know we really uh be here all day what you got one thing i didn't mention earlier that Uh we kind of saved to the end is Uh i heard rumors there might be a super twin rider coming back this weekend rumors that's what i heard just well who's that gonna be well we'll have to wait and see what i don't know i don't know if it's a super twins rider or if it's a wild card rider but somebody in that premier class you you i mean you, you, you gotta be able to figure it out coming back no that's what i'm hearing we'll have to see it might it might already be on aft's you know, page because I mean we're racing tonight in Devil's Bowl, so most people probably already know. Anyway, so I don't I don't know what you want to put on there for that part, but you you digress. Where were we? Oh, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You going motocrossing? I'm going motocrossing, but I'm not going anywhere. It's here in Jacksonville. There's a national in Jacksonville. Yes, sir. 
I thought that was like a concrete jungle, like New York City. No, uh, what is it? WW Ranch or WW something ranch, motocross ranch, ranch, whatever. Yeah, All right. it's it's a All right. badass little track. Uh, last year, I think, was the first year they did it, so it's the second uh, second annual. Uh, anyways, right. so yeah, it'll be a good time out there. It shouldn't be too hot because it's actually nice and cool. Last time, uh, the, the you know the schedule's kind of crazy this year, but uh, last mm-hmm. time they went there, it was unbelievably hot like unreal i was in an air-conditioned truck and sweating bullets um it was nuts yeah i know th- i know that feeling yeah. that's how i was at uh, volusia man i was yeah. in the in the press booth and just i was soaked my shirt was soaking wet and yeah. i was inside an air-conditioned room that the air conditioner wasn't keeping up on so uh, i think that's another good point for dallas it's it's nice and cool here in oklahoma city yeah and uh, dallas is only about three hours south of here so it's going to be pretty good temperatures there was rain earlier in the week so that should make for some nice moist dirt and uh it won't be hot for the fans won't be hot for the riders and now keep the track cooler too good stuff man i look forward to seeing it i'm going to be watching from afar like i always do um during these uh, moto races weekends when they conflict uh but uh yeah man i hope to make it to one before the end of the year uh maybe if nothing else that finale it's still i've got a few that are uh, back to back to back here as well so we're both going to be going pretty hard here for these next couple weekends but um, we'll keep you guys informed for those of you that are joining the Patreon or haven't joined the Patreon, check it out. Um, we got some really cool stuff going on over there, just some extra bonus stuff. And, you know, you get your episodes early. Um, there's a lot of different tiers. Take a look at them. If you have, like I said, if you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. We're, we're like building that as we go. So um, have some fun with it. Anything else, Scotty? Smash the like button, all that fun stuff. Yeah, smash the like button. Tell all your friends. We appreciate all the followers. I appreciate, you know, what I appreciate the most is the people that stop me at any racetrack I'm at or the airport or hotels or whatever and say they like the podcast, they love the podcast and to keep doing what we're doing. And that, that means a whole lot. I mean, we do it because we love the sport. We're doing it because you know we want people to know more about our riders, our racing, uh, our sponsors and, and you know our promoters and everybody that we've had on the podcast. So it means a lot when you guys stop me and tell me that you like what you what you hear, what you what you see or anyways, I just really, really appreciate it. All right, man. Well, cool. Uh, Safe travels this weekend. Enjoy the uh, Devil's Bowl, and uh, we'll be in touch. Later. Later, bro. Peace. Friday, September 25th, 2000, 2000, 2000, Friday, September 25th, 2000, Friday, September 25th, 2020, episode number 153. That is a mouthful, Carter. I'm glad you nailed it that time. It took me like seven times.